0: That plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
1: Welcome to Pop Culture, the podcast that brings soft drinks to the top of the menu. I'm Helen O'Hara, film journalist, author and lifelong teetotaler. Not with me today is my co-host Kat Brown. And that's because this week we have been up to something a little different. And as we warned you last time, something that may make you hate us forever. So I'm really sorry about that if so. Um, now, this comes from one of the very first things that I talked about with Cat when we started talking about this podcast was an experience that we shared in 2019. Uh, we were feeling remarkably flush for once, and we took ourselves to the Fat Duck. Now, the Fat Duck, for those of you who don't obsessively follow the lives of chefs, is the restaurant founded by Hessen Blumenthal in 1995. Um, it was initially a fairly traditional French bistro, but as Blumenthal got more and more in interested in the science of food and how and why we cook, things became a bit more experimental and, most famously, a bit more playful. So this is the restaurant uh, where they give you a giant conch shell, for example, that plays Sounds of the Sea while you eat a seafood dish or they give you a gold watch that dissolves into a soup for a sort of Alice in Wonderland-inspired moment. It's really cool, it's really clever, it's really tasty, and it's one of the top restaurants in the world. Now, I'm not just laying all of this out to wax lyrical about posh food and a wonderful time that we once had. The reason that this is all relevant to pop culture is that when we went in 2019, Kat and I discovered that the Fat Duck ...also does a soft drinks flight. So that's a series of soft drink pairings for all of these elaborate courses of their food. And when we started work on this podcast, they were therefore top of our list of people we wanted to talk to. And by them, I mean in particular, Head Sommelier, Melania Bellisini and her team. Um, Because we wanted to know how they put these pairings together. Uh, We got in touch with them and they very kindly invited us to have the full food and drink experience, which was extraordinarily generous of them. But what was mind blowing for us was learning from Melania herself about how much effort and expertise goes into each of these soft drinks. This is not just a matter of choosing the right juice or finding the right de alcoholized wine for each course. This is a whole new kind of drinks science i think and something that has certainly inspired me and i think is going to hopefully inspire all of you listening to try mixing new things and trying new ways of matching your soft drinks to your food as we go through this podcast so we hope that you will indulge us with this rather unusual episode which we recorded at our table with melania herself hence there's a bit of background noise so um yeah with no further ado the fat duck <laughs>
2: Helen, I can't believe that I am saying this and nor yet that I'm actually conscious to be able to say this because I'm so full of delicious food. But we are at the Fat Duck with Melania Bellazzini, head sommelier at the Fat Duck. Thank you so much for being with us today. How long have you been working at the Fat Duck?
3: Well, first of all, thank you so much for coming. It's an honour and a pleasure to have you here and to show uh, you what we are doing and uh, what do we believe. I've been here for uh, almost 13 years. Amazing. Wow. Uh, even though I can't believe myself uh, and it has been an amazing experience for me from the first day until now and uh, many more years I hope. Mm. Yeah.
2: You started off hoping to become a fashion designer I understand when you were a teenager up yeah. in Northern Italy. How did your path lead you to, <clears throat> to wine and drinks?
3: Well, um, yes, you are right. Uh, actually, my dream was uh, to design beautiful clothes, um, and then uh, I ended up to uh, follow the path of uh, tourism in uh, the hospitality uh, school, mm. very close to my house, uh, where is it uh, is full of uh, tourism, because it's a beautiful area in Legarda. Yeah. And then from there, um, through my school uh, I won a uh, uh, wine competition. At the time, at 16 years old, uh, I was not even drinking um, wine. And uh, yeah, out of surprise I won the competition and I got the, um, the ICS uh, course that is uh, equivalent of uh, um, sommelier study. And then I, uh, I just love the world of uh, wine mm. and drinks and uh, what's the relationship with I- between um, the products that we can enjoy but also the story, the passion and um, the, the tradition mm. of the uh, people that I um, meet mm. through my uh, career yeah, so in the wine world. So, since
1: coming to the Fat Duck, I mean, you, you've, you've been telling us, I'll be honest, we've just been talking the whole way through lunch, and we're just now sort of synthesizing some of that conversation uh, for you all. But you, you were t- telling us that you kind of worked your way up, you were a kind of a storyteller here, which is the, the sort of the wait, wait, waiter interest. level. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, joined the Sommelier team. And I mean, when in your journey did you become aware of you know, a push to do more for soft drinks and, and to really kind of experiment more and see what more you could do?
3: So um, the fatake has been always a a beautiful experience in terms of uh, uh, food. Mm. And as well, I was very lucky uh, when I came to work with the amazing sommeliers that they taught me a lot throughout the experience. And uh, in 2018, (coughs) when I became um, head sommelier, I saw with the dry January that it was a gap in the market of uh, soft and because we are not in london people are driving they're taking obviously trains but the majority of them they are driving here um yeah they were not drinking much Um, water or maybe a soft uh, and then i took the opportunity to build uh, um, the experiment uh, the experience for these guests Uh, with um, soft drinks to give them um, an alternative. We
1: have been experimenting with just incredible soft drinks today.
3: Mm -hmm. You've you've
1: been talking about the kind of blends that you do. So it's a matter of finding and creating more than finding. I think uh, maybe, um, correct me if I'm wrong, for a wine flight it's about finding wines that complement the meals. In a lot of cases what you're doing with the soft drinks flight is to literally create a drink. Yes. To
3: match. So how long does that? How long you know do you have for that process? As you mentioned, to find a wine uh, takes a long, a lot of research uh, throughout the suppliers or producer, and uh, a lot of testing. That is quite incredible and uh, makes our profession quite enjoyable as well. But creating a soft pairing actually is uh, up to us up to our knowledge and up to our creativity. Mm. The intuition as well uh, to combine different drinks uh, and uh, combine with food uh, that is quite unusual sometimes, um, but quite comfortable. And uh, the level of our food is uh, incredibly high. So we need to really match the creativity with the taste. It needs to be as, as amazing as the food. And it can be quite challenging as well.
2: (laughs) It's so interesting thinking about the creativity because Helen and I have come here on our own dime a couple of times before and always been blown away by the food. And the second time that we came, I had the non-alcoholic drinks flight. Mm -hmm. And again, mine just blown there. But for a lot of people who, for example, are driving, they might drink alcohol normally. There can be a sense of lack with non-alcoholic drinks. And... What you do so extraordinarily, particularly on the drinks that we've tried today, is to not create replacements for wine or anything Mm -hmm. else, but like genuine alternatives. I've just had the most incredible, what felt to me like a sort of non-alcoholic Pedro Jimenez sherry, so rich and syrupy and date-like, and then you reel off all these incredible ingredients that have nothing in them. Could you possibly take us through like maybe a couple of the juices and how, how on earth you begin with that. We had um, maybe the pomegranate and beetroot juice yeah. that we had with our, our beef, which, I mean, st- move aside red wine, frankly. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, where on earth do you begin with something like that?
3: Well, is, uh, the idea is uh, to create something that is equally good and complementing the food uh, as a wine does. Mm-hmm obviously we need to um find out uh, drinks that they are not alcoholic and uh, sometimes with um, for example the beetroot and uh, pomegranate that you mentioned um uh, for the main course uh, i'm figuring i'm figuring my i'm imagining my mind okay, what I can drink uh, with this main course, uh, what I need uh, to complement this main course. And sometimes I relate to uh, the wine that uh, we match. Sometimes we start to match with wine and then we create the soft pairing. But sometimes we we try to figure out uh, which kind of component the dish has to maybe use the same component and uh, create the liquid version. So, for example, with the main course, we start for, from a wine um, that uh, we were, we are uh, matching Rioja, for example. And we analyze uh, which kind of flavors Rioja has. And Omalbec, uh, for example, as well, another alternative. So we try to recreate, uh, um, analyze the flavor profile that the wine has. and. Find the component that in uh, fruit and vegetable has the same flavor profile. So in this case, uh, um, the wine can be very uh, red fruits, um, quite deep flavors, spicy, oaky characteristic, and uh, in the drink, uh, non-alcoholic, uh, um, we match this characteristic. So beetroot is quite healthy and uh, uh, pomegranate uh, become it has this kind of texture that is quite uh, um resembling the tannic characteristic of the red wine so give this kind of a feeling of uh, dryness mm. and we had uh, a little touch of uh, date syrup that give this kind of uh, velvety and uh, um deep flavor and also we add some uh, um smoke water to mm. recre- recreate the Oaky flavors of the wine and then some drop of uh, uh, bitters as well to give this spiciness uh, that we can find in the wine. (laughs) While uh, um, the opposite side is uh, um, creating a drink from a flavor profile of a dish. So for example, as you said, Pedro Mianeth for the uh, sweet uh, drink. So we match with the Black Forest Gator that is uh, mainly chocolate and cherry.
2: And um, that was an intense chocolate and cherry treat. <laughs> <laughs> it really was, it really, <laughs> so really was. So
3: yeah. we tried to um, liquefy the, the flavor profile of the dish. And uh, to do so, we just figured out uh, what we can uh, take um, as an ingredient uh, for uh, a drink and make it quite similar on the same balance uh, of uh, sweetness and acidity, um, you know, to match with the... Uh, food. In this case, uh, we add uh, Merlot grape juice, uh, uh, cherry syrup, uh, and uh, uh, coconuts to emphasize the chocolatey and cherry characteristics. But also, we add some uh, uh, non-alcoholic distillation of different uh, herbs and spices. In this case, we use the Liz American that They give this kind of bourbon Mm. whiskey characteristic um, as well. This is the first time that I tried the... Is it
2: Lyle's? That the, yeah, yeah. That, that I tried it in the wild, so to speak, mm. having heard like volumes about it from friends, including friends who who still drink booze over the years. And we had a, an amazing iteration of it earlier in the Boulevardier. Probably does it have a full name, or was it just the? Is a
3: streetwise boulevard. Streetwise yeah. boulevard.
2: Um, that you had actually created for another tasting menu previously. Exactly. Can you talk us through this drink as well? And then I think I'll just let Helen loose on yeah, it because yeah. she's <laughs> never been more excited
1: about anything in her life. It, it is my favourite thing in the world ever at this point. yes. <laughs> Thank you.
3: Well, uh, Streetwise Boulevard actually was a, a creation that uh, we created for an uh, old dish that we had uh, in uh, the journey menu, like uh, the previous menu that we had uh, Um, after Melbourne. Um, So the dish was uh, about a walk in the wood and it was a kind of uh, mushroomy, healthy, very umami flavors uh, with a lot of herbs, a touch of bark uh, style of uh, uh, starch as well. Uh, And it was very dark and very um, mushroomy. So we want to have something that he, he combined the smokiness and the earthiness of this dish but also bring some um, bright and acidity because it was quite intense so we came up uh, with the idea to have an old-fashioned style mm-hmm. that we didn't have in the wine uh, drinks it was just completely different and um, because at the time Elise American Moldy was a, a brand new um, drink that we um received um, we just uh, find uh, a good balance with the uh, wild if that is uh, an amazing uh, non alcoholic distillation of the different herbs and the two component component they have a very different or almost almost opposite um, flavors so wild if uh, is uh, much more uh, sour, very floral, has this kind of uh, um, hibiscus and a uh, mm. uh, slow berry that gives this kind of uh, texture, quite dry and quite a uh, nice acidity. While American Mold, uh, lees uh, has this kind of uh, bourbon smoky but on the palate is very soft mm. and uh, no acidity but uh, a lot of spiciness as well, almost peppery. And then we combine uh, the two together, but ov- obviously what I always uh, research on our non-alcoholic is uh, the third dimension, uh, that is the texture and uh, the the longevity in your mouth. Hmm. Um, and then we add some um, maple syrup and a little touch of uh, um, syrup made with uh, pepacha, white pepacha that is... Uh, um sorry white pencha that is a type of uh, pepper from cameroon it, it is
1: i mean it is amazing and it's a lot of love
3: a always lot of love. yeah you can yeah. taste
1: it. <laughs> but I, it it is fascinating because i feel like you know for as a non drinker a lot of those kind of flavors especially the smokiness and the oakiness are things i have maybe had in tea and that's really all that's been kind of available so it feels like you are in first of all You know, you're creating a lot on your own, but you also have a lot more to work with, it feels like, now in the last few years. Lots more different flavors to try, lots more different things. And, and, I mean, what's your takeaway? Is is it about just combining things? Is it about trying new things, experimenting, putting things together?
3: Well, um, when I started in 2018 to combine ideas of uh, creating soft pairing for people that they were not having alcohol for our experience... um, the options were very limited so we were doing uh, hot tea we were creating our juices in house because uh, um, we had availability of uh, juices that were either too sweet or quite blind Mm. Um, not much um, options and uh, that year actually uh, we discovered one of the first uh, um, company that we were creating these uh, distillation non-alcoholic that it was uh, the Seedlip. So with the Sidlip uh, we start actually to create uh, uh, more al- non-alcoholic uh, uh, options. Um, and we will start to, you know, have fun to mm. see what we can do uh, differently. Yeah. What uh, it was very important for me is to have uh, drinks that they were not sweet because everything in the market was like either cordial or juicy and uh, uh, for me it was very important to have a uh, uh, really balanced uh, uh, for our menu and then uh, luckily enough uh, with the time uh, this gap uh, has become much more smaller because uh, many more companies and many more people embrace the um, the courage or the idea to invest in the non-alcoholic drinks Mm. and for me it's incredible what nowadays we can find in the uh, market Um, very great fun uh, you know also to combine a lot of different uh, um, layers a lot of different uh, um, products that uh, allowed us to play and to uh, you know create the new things uh, uh, that are very different from what they are because combine together is yeah it's just great fun the thing that really
1: blew my mind today is and it's something that we've talked a lot about on this show which is you know the difference in palette between and never has drunk like myself with my very unsophisticated very sweet palette and cat's much more sophisticated you know
2: Drank person, far too enthusiastically, drank, drank all the drinks drank but all enjoyed the them enormously <laughs> exactly
1: enjoyed all the drinks and would like to find that complexity yeah. again that, that those layers again and and I was worried you would tilt her way if i'm honest, mm-hmm. and that it would all be sort of dealcoholized wines and things like this and I thought what's f- been fascinating today is I feel like we've you've landed directly in the middle between the two of us i've loved it, but I feel like cat has found so many different layers and so much complexity as well.
2: I basically have no excuse to drink the same old nonsense that I do at home anymore. Uh, Like like I said, I think when when you stop drinking booze, there is a tendency to sort of feel like you're chasing something that's missing. And I think what has been so wonderful about coming back here today, trying the menu, but also with a renewed interest, trying the pairings is seeing that actually you don't have to replace something as well. Sometimes mm. you just need to take a step sideways and find a completely different way of doing things. Um, I'm also delighted to have tried Season, which um, I'd heard a bit about from Helen McGinn, but this is Ben Branson who founded Seedlip's new cocktail bitters. They're 0%, and we've had them across quite a few drinks, it seems. Mm-hmm. You seem to have found so many amazing ways of adding complexity to to juices or or things that... I suppose people just forget that you can be creative mm-hmm. with. I suppose what drink on, on the menu that we've had today is, is your favorite?
3: Oh, well, thank you so much for, uh, for what you said before. Uh, for us, it's very important to create uh, something that is uh, an alternative, more than a replacement. And what I really... Uh, my aim is to have um, a guest come in here, comfortably to say I don't drink alcohol perfect we have this for you Mm. and uh, not feeling like uh, that is missing out but is actually can enjoy the same experience Mm. but with a different drink so it's not about having alcohol or not having alcohol it's about having an experience and this is for me is the aim mm. uh, my favorite drink is actually very difficult it's like uh, all uh, all the drinks that uh, we we try today is they are our creation from mock- mm. mocktail to uh, uh, the old pairing um I'm very pleased that I can collaborate with uh, different producers yeah. that um you know i I saw grow in uh, these uh, six years. Um, for example I have uh, um, in my heart uh, real drinks Mm. that uh, we start together basically Uh, we met in a uh, in a fair in 2017 when I was uh, looking for replacement or from or for different drinks non-alcoholic one and then uh, I found uh, him that he was just uh, the sparkling teas dry dragon royal flush amazing and uh, he was uh, not at all known um, and we start to have uh, him, mm-hmm. well, a uh, product um, in the restaurant and, and then he start to bloom mm-hmm. and I'm very excited for what he, he David did and mm-hmm. uh, uh, all his uh, success and I'm very pleased that uh, I was, yeah, one of the f- first ones to um, work with him so for me it's like the achievement of seeing people that they are growing and they believe in what they do and uh, be able to use their products in our uh, you know restaurant and believe on it because uh, they have the same aim as we do so it's uh, picking and choosing a a soft uh, that we that we create is difficult.
2: Yeah, I suppose actually it's like yeah. asking you to just pick a person. Yeah, They're all so different.
3: Uh, you know what? Uh, I I thought the same. So for me drinks are quite people. Yeah. Because they have their own character, they have their own personality and you don't want to speak with the same person every day. Yeah. You need to speak with different friends yeah. Depend on your need or your uh, you know, depending on the occasion and drinks uh, you don't want to drink the same drink all the time because here really here I think we can
1: boring. <laughs> agree on that <laughs>
3: I'm, I'm, I've also been so fascinated
1: talking to you today about the inspiration sometimes for some of these drinks so we had with a, a sort of uh, I'm going to be incredibly reductive and call it a fish course but there, there was there were fish elements involved and sea foam and all mm. sorts of exciting things and the drink we had with it involved melon and kiwi and just incredibly fresh yeah. glorious flavours and it, it, you started off looking for something that would sort of parallel sake, yes. which is not. I would not have known if you had not told me that. I, I again, I haven't tried sake, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But what a fascinating place to start from. So you're, you're kind of starting from uh, okay. I want the effect of this. Correct. Now go.
3: Yes, correct. Um, I'm very passionate about sake. Mm. Uh, it's uh, one of my love. Uh, Um, at the moment but I think it would be quite a long love because it is uh, incredible um, different layers and uh, yeah sometimes with uh, with my pairing um, I try to achieve uh, I I would not say perfection because it's impossible Mm. but closer to it uh, and uh, the enjoyment uh, of of the blending, because I think pairing, especially, is a um, um, an art, almost because they need to merge the two things, food and drink. Um, and as I mentioned before, um, sometimes I start uh, from the alcoholic pairing to uh, deconstruct uh, what are the flavor profiles on the pairing on on the drink and see why it's working with the dish, and then recreate this uh, flavor profile mm. uh, with uh, fruit, vegetable, or other drink that uh, I come across. Sometimes I research things that's in internet, for example, and I think, oh, I need something like that. Uh, what can I find? Mm. And mm. then sometimes I come across uh, with things that I have not tasted, I have no idea, but I ask a supplier to, oh, can I try? Can you send me a sample? and then yeah i'm curious to see what they are and if they work uh, why not to find uh, something to blend with
2: and then also sometimes you find something and then it just needs like a final edit or twiddle if you like which we we found very much with the cheese course which was a a beautiful tunworth cheese blended with white chocolate of all things and reformed into a beautiful little cheese with a a passion fruit and pickled carrots pickle next to it. But that came with a glass of Nun, N-O-N, from Australia, wasn't it? Yes. Which is a, a wine me. alternative, but which you'd added like a little chamomile syrup to it just to... Actually, I can't even... Because I suppose the original was quite dry, wasn't it? What yes. takes you well, there?
3: Well, is uh, one of the newest uh, drinks that we discover. Um, is actually landing two weeks ago. The restaurant is very, very new. And um, I love the concept uh, and I love that it's uh, dry. Uh, they create this alternative uh, with uh, verju grape juice, mm. um, blended with, infused with different herbs and uh, flowers and uh, spices. And they create these uh, very dry, non alcoholic drinks that is amazing by itself. However, as I mentioned, it's not about. The drink itself is about pairing. If I think... I'm visioning. This can be good Uh, if it was uh, twisted with something else for the dish. uh, Yes, why not? And to do that, uh, obviously, I need to sacrifice myself and ask the chef to have the food. Uh, uh, I need to try, you know? (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And then uh, starting from... Having the the dish with the base of the drink mm. from there, I start to twist, and when I um, when I have the two, because in my mind uh, I can picture, okay, this drink can be good for this course. Mm. Not necessarily is a course that uh, is in the menu at the moment can be like. I know the dishes that we have, uh, the library that we have is quite uh, immense. Mm. And sometimes we rotate the dishes. So if I found uh, a drink that can be good for a dark main course, for example, Mm. that we don't have at the moment, but it will be in the season, in a few months, uh, I might take a note and hold. Mm. And when the time will come, I will say, okay, can I have... A drink, this drink to try, and then merged Mm -hmm. other flavor profile to adjust it to the to where I want to go, and I did that with the non. When I I tasted the first time in December, I said, "Wow, they are very interesting." I didn't know that what to use for, but when I tried in January, the new. Uh, cheese course, uh, I said, uh, hmm, I need acidity. I need a floral characteristic uh, to cut through the richness and I need uh, a few different uh, character. And then known number three was like uh, the perfect um, combination mm. but it was so dry that uh, we said, okay, with a touch of sweetness and chamomile chamomile, um, it can work. Yeah. Mm. So we tried, it's just a uh, try and error. And adjusting things. Has um, there ever
1: has there ever been a dish that kind of stumped you for a while? Has has there ever been something where you're like, I don't, I'm not quite sure where to start with this one, or is it just, you know, oh, line up a bunch of different drinks and start trial and error? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: There are some sometimes that uh, you have an idea, you start with that, uh, you think is just a perfect pairing, and then you try both together and you say, Oh my gosh, it's completely different, opposite of what I was <laughs> thinking. I need to reframe everything. But it's actually a good start of uh, point of start um, because uh, i have okay what i was thinking is not working so i need to work mm-hmm. on opposite side now because i know what it doesn't work and then uh, start to work uh, in a reverse mode try to find uh, what it could work mm. if it's uh, too savory okay i need to have more sweetness if it's too um, watery I need to find something more uh, thick. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, is as I mentioned, just a try and error and have a little bit of uh, imagination. And I don't know how will how does it come, but in my mind, uh, I imagine things. I have a very vision uh, mind, um, and sometimes inspiration happens just uh, because I try something and I said, oh, okay. Mm-hmm can be. I love to uh, involve my team. Sometimes uh, I challenge them and say, okay, we have a new dish coming up. Uh, I imagine that the drink that I want uh, is similar flavor profile of this. Um, So figure out how to do it. And then they start to, you know, uh, challenge themselves and find things. And and then when we try together, we just adjust uh, the recipe or change it. But there is homework. always a start point yeah. of mm. trying their own. Um, and
1: how far do you go for your, your drinks? I mean, I know as a sommelier you have to travel quite a lot. You have to go to the vineyards, I guess, and, and talk mm-hmm. to the producers. And you've talked to us today about using a lot of smaller producers and yes. having very personal relationships, I guess, mm-hmm. with a lot of them. So is it a matter of kind of really keeping your eyes open around the world, I guess, for a lot of these ingredients?
3: Yeah, I mean, like, uh, traveling for me is... a uh, a way to be open minded and uh, be alert of uh, what's happening in the world and be always uh, um in uh, info, uh, inf- informative Inform- mm. informed um because uh, if uh, we are stuck in our bubble um <laughs> people around us uh, evolve and uh, and we are still in our bubble so we mm. are going to be behind but it's not that the point the point is uh, i think uh, sharing the knowledge is a a a huge benefit that we can do Um, especially in hospitality we have uh, so many great um, professional people with amazing um, creativity and uh, why not to share yeah you know sharing is caring they said but
2: (laughs) Well we certainly feel that from today and actually one of the the most touching moments apart from my trousers to my stomach which I'm extremely aware of now (laughs) was when we were looking through even just the tea and coffee menu at the end which is borderline encyclopedic just another gorgeous journey in itself and you said well you know this is the last memory that people will have of this experience and it needs to be just as impactful just as varied and just as amazing as everything else could you tell me a bit about the well i suppose the care that you guys take over like your coffee particularly but i mean your yeah. your teas it's just all incredible
3: so uh, because we uh, give a lot of important important to all the stage of uh, our journey from the the time that uh, People are booked that we contact them by phone Mm -hmm. two weeks uh, or one week before they're coming until uh, the end of their experience, that is, uh, stepping out of the restaurant. Um, All the steps are super important. And tea and coffee, if you think, um, for many places is the not important thing because it's just a a cup of tea or mm. a cup of coffee. Our have for us uh, is uh, essential to uh, nail it. Just because it's the last uh, memory that the guests uh, have uh, sitting down at the table. If they have uh, a bad uh, cup of coffee, what they remember, oh, amazing experience, but the coffee is terrible. <laughs> no, we, we want to avoid that. Mm. And uh, we have uh, baristas, three baristas actually, um, that uh, they roast uh, green coffee, they source uh, the green coffee from other part of the world so. and uh, we have a, a small uh, uh, coffee shop uh, where we kindly allowed us to um, use the roaster. Oh lovely. And every two weeks uh, we are going to roast our green coffee beans and we are very meticulous and very What? Um, I'm
2: shocked to hear this.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and very precise to do that, uh, and all the recipes are ours. Yeah. So I have uh, a coffee specifically, um, uh, roast for espresso martini only. Wow. Oh, that's
2: incredible. That yes, is attention to cool. detail. We wow. are
3: very, very keen to have a kind of a very dark uh, um, coffee, quite a strong coffee, uh, while uh, geisha or other filtered coffee or espresso coffee they have a different ratio of uh, roast. Um, it's quite interesting mm. word, and it is again a very different word, uh, such as uh, tea or hot chocolate. Uh, we are very keen to work with a small producer, producer that uh, they care what they do, they care of the product, uh, they are sustainable, they have, uh, um, you know, they, they have the same amount of uh, attention of detail that we have here. Mm. Mm. It's important to have uh, this amount of detail because you can see in the final product, mm. um, you know, is um, tea as well. We try to, to get the best tea in the market uh, and sometimes they have a very limited um, quantity that yeah. uh, finish uh, the kilo that, I ha- mm. that we have we have to find another one. So it's a a constant um, research, a constant um, looking for, you know, new thing, Mm. because uh, we know that the limitation is quite small.
2: Thinking about the details as well, uh, we've both been really struck by, I mean, we're looking at absolutely gorgeous Pottery, I mean, that sort of is rather doing it down, really, but what we're drinking out of for our teas and coffees. But also we've had gorgeous glassware all the way through it for uh, for the whole sort of non-alcoholic drinks flight. And Helen always jokes that you sort of half expect a sippy cup as though you're a toddler or something. But it's <laughs> wonderful to have that. How important is glassware weight to that experience?
3: Oh, glassware is absolutely important. It uh, can change the taste of the drinks that you oh. are drinking um uh, we again uh, um are looking to always find the right uh, glassware uh, for our drinks to have the best uh, um outcome mm-hmm. uh, from it so the weight uh, the texture the um, uh, the thickness of the uh, the, w- the glass uh, um You know, the size, uh, how is in your hand. Mm. And also, um, we like to work with uh, a great producer, but sometimes as well, very small producer handmade. Mm. Uh, We have uh, the drink that we serve for the sound of the sick, for example. The glassware is coming from Japan. Oh, wow. It's a sudoku glass and it's called a, a droplet, and they make by hand only 100 glasses per day, kind of. Um, it's a very small company, but it's very high renovate, uh, renovated. And um, it's just incredible. It's for Junmai Ginjo um sake. And there is a, little, a small um, pinnacle, I would say that is uh, look like a, a drop of water when uh, there is a liquid inside especially yeah. sake i noticed that it's yeah. astonishing and uh, we use it for our uh, juice because wow. uh, is the same glass that we use uh, for sake mm. and is the the drink that we serve for the sound of the same
1: it is it's astonishing and yeah these little sort of i guess hand thrown porcelain cups are just so we gorgeous? have
3: uh, uh, all the porcelain porcelain cups or uh, um, dishes, um, plates that mm. we use, uh, they are coming from different different parts of Europe and different maker, but uh, we are using um, um, a potter um, who, well, the name is Ryoko uh, Kaneko and uh, she, is, uh, she is from uh, London, she has a small uh, shop in London. She is absolutely a gifted person, mm. um, a huge uh, artist, uh, and she does uh, pottery for us uh, um, uh, made by hand, amazing um, and bespoken. Yeah. So is, uh, only us has this kind of crockery. Amazing. If uh, we ask her, um, she does uh, what we what we like, and we we talk about uh, things, concept, and she knows uh, very well what yeah. we do here. Um, She has been working with us for, I think, uh, 10 years, Mm. kind of, since the beginning. Um, And uh, the rest of the plate, they are very important, you know. We work with um, people from Limoges. Um, Mm. Yeah, we we do a lot of research. It's amazing. Cutlery as well, everything. Mm. What's your kind of lead time
1: for drinks and for for soft drinks in particular? I'm guessing, I mean, I, I guess it's a constant research constantly looking for for new drinks but you know when when they come to you and they say right this is our planned menu for next season like how long do you tend to have to sort
3: of find your pairings and make your pairings uh it's various actually mm. um sometimes uh, can be a few months that we have you know time to look uh, for things mm. sometimes can be days wow um because of uh, the lack of quantity Mm-hmm. So sometimes we buy things from you know suppliers and um, suddenly um, they are running out of stock. And it's not very easy, especially with Brexit. We know everything. Um, it's quite difficult if they are from Europe or from other parts of the world um, to get them. So we need to be proactive. Um, we know actually the idea of uh, what we want to create and then uh, we just uh, twist it and uh, make it uh, suitable um, yeah for the uh, for the restaurant
2: We had a question on the podcast last week about alcohol in food, and I have very much enjoyed my uh, Black Forest Gatto, which had plenty mm-hmm. of kirsch in it and, and in the accompanying ice cream, given the care done to non alcoholic drinks options here, how does it work if somebody um, doesn't want to or can't have alcohol in their food, for example.
3: Oh, is a uh, well. Our kitchen is amazing. To be honest with you. Uh, even though we have a set menu, we can uh, uh, adjust uh, all the requests. Uh, um, you know that we receive is the reason why uh, we contact people after the booking um, two two weeks or one week before mm-hmm. um, because uh, allowed us uh, to be proactive and create the menu tailor made for them mm. uh, what i mean uh, if somebody is uh, gluten free dairy free or vegan we can adjust everything we had uh, so many different um intolerances or allergies and we are really serious about that yeah. in our food but also in our drink so when somebody is uh, gluten free for example we he- we use some drinks that have gluten inside. So in this case, uh, we at the moment or when we know, we just uh, change uh, the drink and we just create uh, different things with uh, the awfully same uh, flavor profile. Or we just uh, find out what we can do uh, not to ruin the um, experience, but have the same quality, same flavors without the um, you know, without harming anybody. Yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> C-
1: can I ask what what do you sort of drink at home? Like, what, do you do you mix a lot of drinks at home? Do you oh. um, what do you, what do you go for? Do you just literally get home at the end and I'm I just want some water, thanks? <laughs> <laughs> for something very very plain. Well,
3: actually, I'm a little bit of the joke of my team. I'm not drinking much. Uh, <laughs> I'm very lightweight. Uh, I can I say I'm a cheap person to <laughs> take on a, <laughs> on a date <laughs> because uh, really with a couple of glasses of wine I'm fine more than fine I would say no, at home be honest with you we are drinking a lot of kombucha mm. uh, we are drinking mainly non-alcoholic drinks as well um, I found the pomegranate uh, been very amazing with mm. uh, food because it's not too sweet and has a beautiful balance um, and I I like to you know, have this kind of um, um, creativity, I would say.
2: Mm. Um. You mentioned uh, an incredible attitude to creativity earlier as regards cola particularly. Mm. Um, I, I should have expected that somebody would come to the Fat Duck and still ask to have a Coke with their meal but even so I, you mentioned that you had taken this as a particular challenge before yes. lockdown <laughs> can you tell us a bit more about this
3: yes so um quite funny because uh, coming to the fadak and um um having a coke uh, i think is a uh, not being judgmental, obviously, Uh, everyone can do whatever they want uh, and we have Coke and Diet Coke. Um, But I was thinking, why not to give these people that they are comfortable with Coke because they are drinking, you know, at home or wherever, with a different cola. So my aim was to create a drink that uh, has a similar flavor profile of the Coca-Cola just to make them how do you say, uh, comfortable. Mm. Not to go out from the, um, you know comfort zone, uh, but in a different way. So um, a few years ago, in 2017, I went to Ghana, and um, my husband gave me um, to try a nut, and it was a cola nut, very extremely, very bitter. He said, don't eat it, just chew it. <laughs> and, uh, and straight away, apart the bitterness, it was like a cola flavor, mm. like a Coca Cola. I so said, This is incredible. I have the flavor profile of the Coca Cola from a nut. It's incredible. But uh, they don't, well, what he said, uh, they don't cook it. They don't drink it. They just chew it uh, to carry on the day life, uh, uh, to get some energy because it's uh, highly in uh, caffeine. Mm. So I bought uh, a packet at home. And uh, be me being curious uh, <laughs> and uh, getting some challenges um, to my team, I said to my team, uh, I would like to use this one and see uh, how we can create something. So, again, start with uh, trying and errors. Uh, we find out that cooking, boiling actually for six times um, the same cola nut, gives six different. Liquids and uh, every single liquid has different strength of uh, bitterness and uh, caffeine and flavor. So, we at the end uh, combine um, the odd batch of cola in a different proportion, mm. uh, reduce it uh, boiling with sugar and uh, um, date syrup at the time as well, uh, with different spices and herbs, and um, make a um, Kind of a cordial out of it and blend it with uh, ginger ale and uh, soda and actually it tastes like licorice cola all these kind of uh, very dark flavors and it was delicious wow unfortunately with pandemic uh, a lot of, of this project uh, um and uh, um because of uh, lack of product lack of uh, stuff at the moment mm. at the time um, so we just uh, parked uh, on our archive um, but i think uh, soon we will start to do a, this kind of uh, experiment again
2: ready for the 30th anniversary
3: next year of course yeah. ready <laughs> and also we were doing uh, kombucha Ooh. fermentation in yeah. a house um, and then uh, we did a big batch before closing in the pandemic mm. and then during pandemic and nobody used it uh, we had yeah. it in the cellar for six months oh, no. so when we came back it was absolutely gorgeous oh uh, super fermented yeah very sparkling and it was amazing and wow. we were buying um tea from africa from south africa mm. at the time um and from uh, um portugal from amazing. doron oh
2: wonderful
1: yes so what was you, what would your advice be to, to like pe- my people at home, you know, is it is it about just being curious, trying new things, trying unexpected combinations, trying to deconstruct a meal and, you know, <laughs> see what you can match with that? I
3: mean, how, how is that really the place to start? Well, uh, yeah. Well, for me, being curious is the first step. So if you are curious, you have an open mind directly. So um, try new things, you know, like uh, sometimes uh, I try things that I don't like because you never know. With the age, with the time, your palate changes as well. So what I did like before, I don't like anymore and vice versa. Mm. So um, don't just crap something because uh, you know that you don't like, just uh, keep trying. Yeah. Um, and yeah, at home, be honest with you, there is a lot of in the market now um, that can help people to be more adventurous, more creative. As well, at home is much easier uh, to find this kind of, uh, um, you know, liquid. Liquid um, that uh, can be exciting instead of just um, water or uh, you know yeah. a soft juice.
2: And what soft or non-alcoholic drink would you add into a theoretical hall of fame? Do you think?
3: Something that I discovered again in Ghana that uh, I was not aware before, it was uh, like a a malt, uh, the malt uh, drink. Mm -hmm. um, That is very particular, not everyone. I tried to introduce it to the restaurant, but uh, my colleagues were not very keen. So (laughs) (laughs) I said, okay, it's fine. I'm not going to buy it. But uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, I think it's because of my palate that I love uh, umami. And I love, uh, you know, even though I'm very sensitive of uh, bitterness, Mm. um, I love this kind of uh, flavor that they are um, sweet and sour and and bitter at the same time. So very umami character. Um, Give a little bit more third dimension Mm. of things. I have a very sweet tooth, but Strangely enough, uh, I don't like too much sweet drinks. Mm. Yes, yes.
2: Um, yep.
3: But I think uh, a touch of uh, sweetness uh, is always. It's like uh, salt and pepper. Mm. Um, it needs to have to enhance uh, the the flavor profile of, yeah. like we we saw it with non. Mm. And a touch of uh, yeah. chamomile syrup. Uh,
2: and as we've seen with the hot chocolate, a uh-huh. little pinch of
3: salt. Exactly. Yeah. Wonders.
1: And my Boulevardier, if I remember correctly, had a bit of malt syrup in it, right? Yes, so, exactly correct. I mean, I'm
3: all in favour of malt now. That's my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it. it's just to find the, the right balance. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. It's like uh, all the stuff, you know. Um, I love to use. Uh, more natural things mm. um, I try to you know with sugar I know that white sugar is very bad and we try to reduce it as much as possible um, with the substitution with the dark, uh, dark sugar or uh, coconut blossom mm. we love to use a coconut blossom in our mm. um, old-fashioned drinks for example um yeah using dates syrup instead of uh, you know uh, sugar and yeah these kind of uh, small uh, tweaks that give more flavors and give more uh yeah excitement i think more oomph, more oomph. yeah yeah three dimensions so. three dimensions that's <laughs> it
2: well i've certainly had a lot of flavors and a lot of excitement and I didn't get drunk in the process. Win, win, win. (laughs) It was
3: just delightful. (laughs) Thank you so much
1: much for
2: having us and for talking us through your absolutely phenomenal non alcoholic drinks flight. What an afternoon.
3: Thank you very much for coming and enjoying with me. It has been brilliant. Thank you.
0: Where's that dust coming from?
1: So that was Melania Bellassini at the Fat Duck, and I hope you're as inspired as I am to try a new combination of drinks uh, and see if you can find something as incredibly delicious as that Boulevardier, which has literally set my head spinning and which I can't stop thinking about. On behalf of myself and Kat, we want to give a big thanks once again to Melania, to her assistant Jonathan and the rest of her team, and to all the storytellers and chefs at the Fat Duck who could not have been kinder to us or more tolerant of me knocking over not one... But two drinks. I blame all the microphone cables, but apologies anyway for that once again. Normal and slightly less insufferable service will resume again next week. Um, So if you have a favourite drink or a menu you'd like us to celebrate or shame, or any burning questions about soft drinks in general or particular, then you can email us at popculturedrinkspodcast at gmail.com. Or on Instagram at Pop Culture Drinks Podcast. We've also got a lovely bookshop where you can shop our favourite non alcoholic books, including uh, books by our guests and those by us. Uh, you just go to bookshop.org and search Pop Culture The Soft Drinks Podcast. And that is it for this episode. Uh, do please consider subscribing or leaving a lovely five star review on your podcast provider of choice. And in any case, we'll see you back here next week for more soft drinks chat.